welcome to Blitzcast number 66. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Kaftoff. I'm going to bring in my uh, co-host and partner, Ed Hunt, very shortly. Obviously, training camp is in, in full swing right now. Uh, a lot of news coming out from, you know, he's coming out from the Arizona Cardinals about Cliff Kingsbury, their new offense, Kyler Murray picking it up. Uh, there's a few quarterback battles going on around the NFL. But the big news today, as we re record on Wednesday, uh, it seems like the Saints have reached an agreement with their star wide receiver, Michael Thomas. He, uh, he got a five-year, $100 million extension that includes $61 million guaranteed. Uh, it makes him the NFL highest paid wide receiver. Uh, what do you think about that, Ed? Well, I think it's a good deal for both sides. I mean, yes, he did get paid higher than any other receiver, and he may not be the best receiver in the league, but you know, the, the, it's it's all you're always trying to hit a higher contract with the salary cap going up. So, 100 million makes sense for a receiver who, you know, he's probably one of the best young receivers in the league. Oh, he certainly is. He certainly is. Obviously, there are going to be a couple of more extensions that are going to happen at the wide receiver position. We all know that Amari Cooper is going to get paid. Probably not as much. We know that Julio Jones is going to get an extension. So this this deal might not last for a while. I mean, Julio might be the highest paid wide receiver when it's all said and done here in a couple of weeks. But Michael Thomas has been unbelievable. Ed. I mean, obviously, he... He's getting a lot more money than OBJ now, but this is this is a player that was a first-team All-Pro. Uh, he's got 321 career catches, which is by far the most in NFL history by a player in his first three seasons. Uh, the, the Saints have never had a wide receiver like this before. I mean, when Drew Brees has been around, it's been Marquise Colston, it's been tight end Jimmy Graham. I mean, they've been good players, but... Michael Thomas is is a bona fide star. I mean, he is a top three wide receiver. I mean, he is cementing himself there. And uh, it's incredible what he was able to accomplish last year. I mean, franchise records with 125 catches for over 1,400 yards and nine touchdown catches. And he's been very efficient. Every time Drew Brees throws him the football, he seems to come up with it. So, um incredibly impressed with, with Michael Thomas and, and definitely a, a deserving deal for him. I think I think this is a good idea for the Saints just to, to keep signing guys and extending guys. And so, you know, even when Drew Brees walks away and even if they win a Super Bowl, they're still building for the future. And, you know, they they have Teddy Bridgewater as their backup. I, I hope that they keep him and that they give him a shot afterward and um, so you, you have the you know you'll have the Teddy Bridgewater to Michael Thomas connection at least at least as your sort of skeleton after after Drew Brees leaves. Well, you still have Drew Brees for a year or two, and they they've got the triplets. I mean, they've got Drew Brees, they've got Michael Thomas, a wide receiver, and they've got Alvin Kamara running back. And you know, in this league, you can go really far if you've got those triplets on your side. And the Saints definitely have those star players that at those positions, a running back, a quarterback, and a wide receiver. So uh, a great deal for, for both sides, and and I'm glad Michael Thomas got paid because, you know, a guy came out of the second round uh, from Ohio State, and he certainly has surpassed 
the expectations for the first three years. And um, the way he is, he's playing right now, I mean, we, we might be talking about a guy that, that's going to make the Pro Bowl for the next eight to ten years if he stays healthy. Let's talk about two guys in particular. There are a few more players, but there are two notified stars that are missing from training camps. And that's Ezekiel Elliott. He obviously wants an extension with, with the Dallas Cowboys. And another running back uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers, Melvin Gordon. What do you think about those situations? Are, are any of those guys going to get signed be, before uh, training camp ends? Well, I'll tell you what I would do. So First, I'm going to hit the Melvin Gordon one first. So the Chargers already have Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, and Detrez Newsom. So... Really, they have a stocked-up running back position. So I really don't see the need to pay Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is an excellent running back. You could probably get good trade value for him, just in the same way that the Raiders did get some trade value. I know this was a botched trade, but they did get some trade value for Khalil Mack. It's a lot easier to trade Melvin Gordon than it is Khalil Mack. They have the running backs in, in waiting in the wings, and they won't have to pay him the big money that 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 Melvin Gordon is is demanding. Well, he he's a really good running back, right? I mean, he might not be an elite running back, but he's a very good one, and he is the centerpiece of that San Diego Chargers offense. Because I mean, with all due respect to Philip Rivers, when Melvin Gordon is healthy, things revolve around Melvin Gordon. Um, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's in the passing game or the running game, he is the centerpiece of that offense. So what can you get for Melvin Gordon? I mean, they spent a first-round pick on him. I, I don't think they can trade him for a first-round pick in the future. I don't think anybody is going to give up a first-round pick for a running back. Well, I would take I would take a second-round pick for him. You you unload his big problem. And then you get, you know, you can you can basically focus on the guys you have where you have guys waiting, ready to go. And so, you know, and then you get a second round pick. So it's a win win for the Chargers if you trade them. To be honest with you, I you mentioned those names of running back that the Chargers do have and they're good complement pieces. I mean, these guys can get the job on third downs, but I can't expect Jackson or Eckler to be the starting running back that's going to be able to pick up uh, and, and carry the load like Melvin Gordon has done the past couple of years. I mean, I just can't imagine that at all. Those names don't scare me, Ed. Well, that's what good teams do is they're able to, you know, continue to bring talent down the pipeline and just when one starter wants too much money, they're able to sort of move on from them and, you know, rebuild and especially at a position like running back, which is just so fungible. You need to you need to just constantly have new guys coming in. All right. Let's talk about Zeke. Um, look, <clears throat> Jerry Jones is going to pay him. He will. But the problem around the problems around Zeke is not so much about what he does on the field because he's probably arguably been the best running back in the NFL the past couple of years. The problems with Zeke include obviously off the field issues. I mean, he is he's a knucklehead. That's what he is. He is he's gotten into trouble in the past and it's not without any question that once he gets paid, he's not going to get into trouble again. But Jerry Jones knows that he wants to, obviously, in a perfect world, he wants to sign all three guys. He wants to sign Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, and Zeke. 
Um, and he's had those triplets when he's won Super Bowls with Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, and Emmitt Smith. Now, obviously, he believes with those three guys he can get it done. Uh, do you think he is gonna he's gonna eventually pay Zeke in the next couple of weeks? I'm not totally sure that Zeke is the right investment for them. Um, you know, we've talked about the off the field stuff. I think he's, I think he's a little overrated. I'll, I'll say it. I think he's a little bit of an overrated running back. I think he benefits from a very good Cowboys offensive line. I think plenty of running backs could run behind the Cowboys offensive line. They're getting Travis Frederick back. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in pay your, pay your guards if you want a running game. Don't, you know. Wait, wait, you know, just keep drafting good running backs. I, I just – I I mean he's still 24 years old, Ed. He's still 24 years old, and you can still milk milk him for, for the next two or three years. I mean you definitely have a bona fide star at running back. You know how I feel about Dak Prescott, right? I believe that he's one of the more overrated quarterbacks in this league. You can't win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott alone if you don't have Zeke in the backfield. See, I, I still think you need. I still think you need. Uh, I think it's all. It all comes down to the fact that they have a good offensive line, and I think that's the reason why their offense does as well as they do. No, the offensive line is incredible, but Alfred Morris, with all due respect to him, he just got signed a couple of days ago. He's not going to gain over a thousand yards behind that offensive line. I mean, the guys on his last legs out there. And, and the Cowboys no, don't. I'll, I'll agree with that. And, I, I and, agree. Alfred Morris is not a number two. You need to pick up You need to pick up something somewhere. And the, you Cow- do need to pick the, up. the Cowboys don't have a backup plan. It's not like they drafted a running back somewhere in the draft. I mean, even a, a late-round guy. And I, I just don't see a replacement for Zeke. The Cowboys can't – if I can make a case that the Chargers can – can do without Melvin Gordon. They still have a very good team with Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Phillip Rivers, Mike Williams. They still have weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and they have a great defense. They can win without Melvin Gordon. I look at the Cowboys. They have a great offensive line, but they have an average quarterback, and they don't have a replacement in the locker room or anywhere else out there to to get them going. There's no running back out there on the waiver wire that's going to save them. So that that's my point. They didn't. I just, I just, I just, want, I, just I think the Cowboys should be cautious about overpaying for Ezekiel Elliott. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, if he, if he gives you, if he gives you a reasonable deal, if his agent is willing to agree to a reasonable deal, pay him, you know, cause you're, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with Alfred Morris. I agree. But you still, you still, I, I just, I don't, I, I, just get the feeling that Ezekiel Elliott is just overrated by the league and overrated by the Cowboys, to be honest. I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to get paid by Jerry Jones. It's going to happen soon. Um, I have my doubts about the Chargers paying Melvin Gordon. I think that's going to be a stalemate, but I think Zeke is going to get paid. Uh, well, that's but- the that's the that's the problem when the GM is a you know when you have a business person as the GM is just the you know. Uh, Basically, when Jerry Jones gets to decide who stays, he's going to pay a guy like Zeke because he, you know, he has the star power, he has the name recognition, and you know, he's he's obviously, I mean, it's his bottom line that's being affected. So yeah, he's going to pay him. But you know, in a salary cap league, when you're trying to win, I just, I think, I think a, a typical GM would be a little bit more cautious about paying Zeke. You know, there, there's one person that wants Zeke in training camp. You know who that is, right? Who? It's Jason Garrett. 
Look, I mean, he, he's, hanging, he's hanging by a thread right there. I made the playoffs last year, but to be honest with you, without Zeke, the, the Cowboys aren't going to make the playoffs. And so Jason Garrett is going to be gone at the end of the year. I mean, it's always a fun topic to discuss, but I, I, I know for sure that Jason Garrett wants Zeke and Cam, and he wants them there on opening opening week out there. So uh, that, that's, that, that's probably what it's going to come down to. The head coach is going to be in trouble if Zeke doesn't show up. Well, I, I, I don't totally blame Jason Garrett for the position the Cowboys are in. No, they're so not. I, I mean, they're I, and, 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 you know, and, and I, I wouldn't blame Jerry Jones if he's stuck with Jason Garrett long term. Yeah, I, I, I just think the Cowboys should cut bait with, with Jason Garrett. But I get the feeling that Dak Prescott is going to get paid. And once he gets paid, he's one of the more overrated quarterbacks in the league. But feel sorry for Jason Garrett. Like I said, he's 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 a guy that's hanging by a thread. And I, I get the feeling that eventually – I mean, loyalty that, that Jerry Jones has shown Jason Garrett through the years. Eventually, it's, it's going to run out at the end of the year. All right. And um, obviously, we'll we'll get to some more training camp topics, you know, down the line. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss some things next week. And once some more hot topics arise and, and once these running backs get into camp, obviously, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. But l- let's move on to... The Pac-12, Ed. Uh, Pac-12 conference is obviously a, a major conference out there. That um, Last year I picked Washington to be in the college football playoff. Uh, that certainly went right out the window. when. Uh, yeah, the first week yeah, against Auburn. The first week against Auburn. And it seems like, you know what, we always have a lot of expectations when it comes to the Pac-12 conference, but they seem to always fall short when it comes to those big non-conference games, especially to open up the season. So uh, I'm trying to be a little bit more cautious when it comes to the Pac-12 this year, but there's obviously a lot of excitement. Obviously, Justin Herbert came back. You know, Washington is going to reload. They've got a quarterback that's going to take over coming from Georgia um, who has started some games. Obviously, the Utah Utes, uh, you know, Stanford, and then you've got possibly, you know, UCLA, USC, they're always in the fold out there. So it's, I'm trying to be a little bit more cautious this year when it comes to the Pac-12 conference. But let, let's talk about the best team. Who do you think the best team is this year? So I think you're going to think I'm going to say the Washington Huskies, but I'm actually going to pick Oregon this year. Uh, Ooh. Re- okay. Uh, l- let me h- hear my reasoning out. Okay. So... Justin Herbert is coming back for his senior year, and I think he's the most polished quarterback in college football. I mean, yeah, there are probably guys with better upside and probably will have better, better NFL or could have better NFL careers. But I think he, I think he is sort of your, your, you know, your stabilizing force, and he's going to be going against the Pac-12 just like Washington is. But I don't think Washington's as good this year. Um, and uh, we might talk about that more. Um, we will. I, they return. They return all their uh, starters on offense, and even add some young talent to that mix. Uh, they have. They will keep seven starters on defense. Um, and I think. I think really the reason why Justin Herbert came back is he thought this is this is the year that Oregon wins the Pac-12. Uh, you surprised me, Ed. I thought you were going to go with uh, with Peterson and Washington, but you know what they say: great, great minds think alike, and. I actually have Oregon as as my top team in the Pac-12 as well. I okay. 
And it's it's basically for the same reasons, Ed. I just think they have a lot of talent coming back. And it has, obviously, Justin Herbert. Everybody's going to talk about that. But they've got a really good offensive line, especially on the interior. Uh, those guys are, are senior bowl type of players. And they're going to protect Herbert. And they're going to be able to run the football with C.J. Verdell, who had a good, really good freshman season last year. They've got a good defense coming back. Uh, obviously, they're led by Troy Dye on the outside, but they also have a very good defensive line. And I just think a lot a lot of people are going to talk about Herbert, but they have a really good team around it. And Mario Cristobal is back for his second year. Everybody's familiar with the schemes on offense and defense. There's, there's nothing that they have to change. I think this team not only going to win the Pac-12, but they're going to make some noise nationally. And I just feel like Herbert is bound to improve. Uh, he is going to get better. And that's why I also have Oregon as, as my top team. Why do you think Washington is going to struggle? Is it because they, they lose all the pieces on defense? Well, that's that's part of the reason. Um, you I know, mean, it, it can't be they, 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 can't they, they returned two starters on defense. Yeah, you, you made the first part of my argument. They lost Taylor Rapp, who I really liked, Byron Murphy, Miles Gaskin. Uh, Jacob Eason is a good quarterback, but he hasn't played consistently in a couple of years. Um, I will say, I will say the Huskies, this is the one thing the Huskies really do have. They do have a really good offensive line. They do. Even with your boy, Caleb McGarry, moving on to the Atlanta Falcons, they have some really good wide receivers. They've got a good offensive line. I think there's a lot of excitement about Jacob Eason. Uh, He's a lot more talented, by the way, than Jake Browning is. And you know what? That defense is going to reload. It's just going to take them some time. But they do have some recruits. They do have some young guys ready to step in, especially in that secondary. So I think Washington is going to be fun, and I think they're still going to be in the mix. But it seems like Chris, Chris Peterson doesn't have that defining win at Washington. He's been great the past three years. He's taken a, a mediocre Washington team and he's turned them into a powerhouse, especially in the Pac-12. But he hasn't won that big game, and he's been 0-3 in those bowl games. So I expect them to take a little bit of a step back. I think this team is still going to win like nine games, but I think Oregon is better. Uh, who do you think is a team on the rise? You know, I like the Utah Utes. Um, you know, they were kind of the surprise team in the Pac-12 South last year. But, uh, you know, I think they may even have a better year this year. Um, they return all their playmakers on offense. Uh, they return seven starters on defense. Uh, Tyler Huntley did well before he broke his collarbone. And he'll be healthy starting his senior year. Um, they, have a, they have a running game led by Zach Moss. Um, they recruited some good kickers and punters to replace Matt Gay and Mitch Wisnowski. So I, I I think Utah I think Utah wins the Pac-12 South and I think they're I think they I think they build on another good season. And I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for them because they they're going to have a little bit more of a target because people aren't going to aren't going to see them as an underdog like they have in the past. Well, Utah went nine and five last year. They finished six and three in the Pac-12. This was a really good team. That defense is scary. I mean, it really is. That defensive line is going to cause a lot of problems. I mean, they, they get to the quarterback. They shut down the run. Um, that, that defensive line, all the guys on that defensive line are going to get drafted. And they also have Jalen Johnson, who's a really good junior cornerback. So um, 
The the Utes are going to be scary, especially on defense. But I just don't think they're going to surpass Oregon. I, I think they do win the South. They'll meet Oregon in the Pac-12 game. I think Oregon will come out on top. But I agree with you. Utah was was one of the teams that I definitely considered uh, to take the Pac-12 title. But in terms of a team on the rise, I'm going to go with the UCLA Bruins. I just uh, yeah, just call me a, a believer in Chip Kelly, but he failed in the NFL, but he he gets the job done in college football. And I realized that that offense struggled early on, but it was better in the second half. They have a good running game. Uh, they need to fix that offensive line. They have all five starters back, but they need to be better. They need to open up holes. They need to protect their quarterback, whoever it's going to be. Um, and that defense needs to be better. So there are a lot of things that need to improve this year in 2019 for UCLA to take that step forward. But I believe it is a team on the rise because they won only three games last year. I think Chip Kelly is going to get them into a bowl. I think they finished seven and five, six and six. I think that's going to be their fate. But I think the UCLA Bruins are really in good hands with, with Chip Kelly. Uh, who, who do you think uh, is a team that's going to disappoint this year in the back 12 I think Stanford. Um, they only return three on offense, even though that does include KJ Costello. They only return five on defense. Um, listen to the the beginning of their schedule. They play U- USC away, UCF away, and then Oregon at home in three consecutive weeks. So that's week two, two, three, and four. Um, and so I just I kind of worry about their defense this year. So Stanford generally a good program. I think this is a down year for them. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with the USC Trojans. I, I think mediocrity is, is here to stay. I mean, with all due respect to Clay Helton, uh, he went 5-7 and seven last year. He went 4-5 and five in the Pac-12. And look, they have a rising star, uh, a quarterback in JT Daniels. And I do think that Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator that came over from North Texas, is going to open it up. Uh, they're going to run an air raid offense, and it's going to be fun. They have a good receiving core, and they're going to make plays, and they're going to score points. But I I have a question mark about them on defense. Um, I think their defensive line is fine, but I have question marks about their back seven. And I look at their schedule also, Ed. Uh, I just like, – like they've got the first six games of the season, they face an opponent that went to a bowl game last year. They play at Notre Dame at Washington, at Arizona State. They've got home games against Oregon, Stanford, Utah. That's a tough task. I mean, five of those, five out of those six games, they're going to lose. And I see another five and seven, six and six season. I, and I have a feeling Urban Meyer is going to take over um, sooner than later. He, he's working for Fox right now, but how long is that going to last? I just... I think Urban Meyer is itching to get back to another big-time program, and another 6-6 six and six season is not going to save Clay Helton. And there are plenty of guys out there, and Urban Meyer is one of them. Like I said, a, a big name that, that might take over at USC Trojans. So I think mediocrity is here to stay, and USC is going to struggle again. Um, all right, give me a couple of guys, uh, especially in that 2000. And 20 NFL draft that I, we should be keeping an eye on. Guys that are uh, big time pro- prospects out of the Pac 12 conference. Well, I think we should keep an eye on Justin Herbert. And we've really kind of ta- already talked about what, what he does well. He fits, ty- 
fits passes into tight windows. He has some mobility in the pocket, good pocket awareness. He can throw on the run, has an accurate deep ball. Um, and he's getting better about how long he holds the ball. He's getting a little bit better with his internal clock. I would love to see his internal clock get better over the year, over over 2019. And, you know, maybe in 2020 he's, you know, he's, he's the number one pick overall. All right. Uh, anybody else? Uh, maybe on the defensive side, you like the kid from Colorado. I know you're a big fan, the wide receiver. Yeah, Lavisca Chenault uh, is definitely a name. Um, you know, he's he's definitely he's definitely up there. Um, you know, he's probably the best player. He's probably the best player that the Colorado Buffaloes have had in a while. Um, he was hurt last year, so that that kind of that kind of derailed him. Um, so he's gonna have to stay healthy for the whole year if he's gonna come out. Um, it's it's am- a- it's amazing what he did last year, though, Ed. I mean, he's six two. 225 pounds. He's a he has big playability. He's got size. He's got strength. He caught 86 passes last year for over a thousand yards and six touchdowns. And he got hurt midway through the season. He would have won the Belichnikov Award. I mean, that's there's no question about it because he was running away with it. Once he got hurt, obviously that opened it up for some other guys, and eventually Jerry Judy, uh, you know, won it. Obviously, he's got to stay healthy, but. A big-time playmaker for Colorado. If, if this guy played at USC, people would be talking about a top 10, top 15 pick right now. I, I, I still think – I mean, he's definitely a first-rounder if he stays healthy all year. All right. Anybody else I should be keeping an eye on offense uh, or defense? Well, the, 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 there's, there's two names. So I want to mention Walker Little because um, he's probably going to be one of my busts. I I, I kind of see him as kind of being my my sort of most overrated guy going in, and this is a really really early pick, but um, you know he's a guy he's a guy who's been talked about a lot. Um, so I think he needs to work on his lateral movement. He's not as mobile as he needs to be. He needs a stronger core when blocking. Um, he needs to square better when run blocking. Um, so I'm not excited about Walker Little. Um, but I think I think he's a name that you know people should keep an eye on. But I, again, I'm not really too high on the Stanford team this year, and I'm not really too high on Walker Little. But he's a name he's a name you're gonna hear um, as we go on. Uh, the other name is Trey Adams, um, who who really is like you know if he could stay healthy, he could be a top five pick. He could be a top ten pick. Um, you know he has that. He has that top 1A left tackle ability. Um, he's a great pass, pass blocker. He's capable of run blocker. He's got a big body. Um, but again, the downside of him is he's had a lot of injuries. And the reason why he isn't in the NFL right now is because of injuries. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when you've got a back problem, a back injury, it's it's definitely going to hold you back a little bit. So it remains to be seen. You know, back issues are, are a huge problem. And, and when they happen early to a young player like that, uh, some guys haven't come back from it. So hopefully Trey Adams is able to do that. If he comes back healthy, this guy's going to be in the senior bowl, and this guy's going to be in the conf- consideration for a a first round pick all right a few more names on the offensive side Uh, you know the running back class is going to be really strong but I feel like Eno Benjamin the junior running back from Arizona State is not being talked about a lot Uh, and this is a guy that had a great year last year as a sophomore so keep an eye on Benjamin from Arizona State Michael Pittman the, the wide receiver from USC 
uh, made some plays last year, really came on in the second half of the season. Um, I'm expecting a big year from him, and I feel like in that Graham Harrell's offense, he's going to be able to put up some huge numbers. Uh, I already talked about the Oregon offensive line, Shane Lemieux, uh, Calvin Throckmorton, uh, Nick Harris, the senior center from Washington, is an interesting player. He's definitely going to be at the Senior Bowl. Colby Parkinson is the next great Stanford tight end. He's a junior, so keep an eye on him. Uh, I like Bradley Anne, uh the defensive end from Utah. He led the conference with eight sacks and was third with uh, uh, with 15.5 tackles for loss last year. He's really good against the run. He's just a solid, steady guy on, on the defensive line. Um, I already mentioned Jalen Johnson, the cornerback, uh, junior cornerback from Utah. Um, and keep an eye on Troy Dye, the, the senior outside linebacker from Oregon. Uh, this guy, you know, piles up the sacks and, and gets those tackles. He's definitely the leader of that Oregon defensive end. And one more guy, defensive end Christian Rector, senior defensive end from USC, a uh, guy that can get after the quarterback. I expect them to, to have a good year this year. Um, so we talked about it. Obviously, Ed and I believe Oregon is the best team in this conference because they've got the most complete team and they've got the best quarterback. So it, it remains to be seen whether Oregon can take that next step forward. They were 9-4 and four last year. They beat Michigan State in the bowl game. We're expecting big things from the Oregon Ducks. All right, let's move on to the Mountain West Conference, Ed. Um, it, it's really an interesting conference because obviously you've got – You've got Boise State. Uh, you know they've, you know they've been the best team this this century. You could say with Chris Peterson and and Brian Harson this year. Uh, Utah State had a great year last year. San Diego State was a team is a team on the rise. It seems like so they've got some teams to to challenge Boise State possibly. Fresno State had a great year with Jeff Tedford there. Uh, Jeff Tepford obviously came back to Fresno State. He had, did a lot of great things there uh, before he moved on. He's there with his, you know, his with his second stint. So, what do you think about it? Is is Boise State still the best team? Yeah, I, there's no doubt about it. Um, they might they might be a little bit down <laughs> this year, though. I mean, they may not be they not they may not be as good as they were last year, but um, you know. We should all keep an eye on Hank Bachmeyer, um, and and he could win the job from Chase Cord. You know, he's kind of a young, top top quarterback recruit. Um, you know, he's going to be a true freshman, but um, you know, he he could be he could be sort of like uh, maybe like a little bit like Trevor Lawrence was last year. You know, a guy who came in as a true freshman wasn't supposed to start until next year, and then um, you know wins the job. Um, Brian Harson has. What are you saying? Uh, yeah, are you are you not worried uh, that obviously they have to replace Brett Rippon? Uh, you know, Brett Rippon was an underrated quarterback last year. Uh, everybody knows how I feel about him. Um, obviously, they lose Alexander Madison, who has moved on as a running back. Do you think losing those two stars, it, it, you still feel that the machine is going to keep going? That obviously they're going to be able to replace you know their four-year quarterback and uh, the do-all running back that they had last year? Well, their talent just outclasses the rest of the Mountain West. So I don't think, I don't think Boise State's going to be as good. Um, but I do think, I do think they are the best team in the Mountain West. 
All right. I, I also feel that. I think their defense is really underrated. Uh, they're led by Curtis Weaver, uh, junior defensive end. Uh, they also have a very good secondary, in my opinion. So a lot of people are going to focus on that offense, but I think they're able to replace the running. They, they're always able to replace running backs every year. Uh, it seems like a new name emerges every year. But that defense is, is very underrated, and I think it's going to help Boise State moving forward. So I also believe that they're the best team. Uh, who is who is a team on the rise in this conference? I like Hawaii. Um, they return eight on offense. Um, their quarterback, Cole McDa- McDonald, uh, returns after a breakout 2018. They're returning nine on defense. Um this is this is kind of my bold hot take. I think that well, this isn't that hot of a take, but I think they beat Oregon State on September seventh. Oh wow! Uh, All right. Yeah, All I, right. I, it's I, I think it's a pretty I think it's I, I think it's a decently hot take. Um, they have plenty of experience on the offensive line. Uh, they return four or five starters, and they will have uh, Taga Tumulima as well. So, um, you know, so. Plenty of offensive line coming back, plenty of players coming back, and um, sure they sure it's hard for them their road schedule, but towards the end of the year they play a lot of home games. You know, last year Nick Rolovich, who who played quarterback at Hawaii, was able to, to turn it around. They went eight and six last year. They went five and three in the Mountain West. You know what, Ed? Again, great minds think alike. Uh, Hawaii is also my team on the rise. I I like their quarterback Cole McDonald. I, I think he's very underrated nationally not many people know about him i don't think i've gotten excited about a quarterback in the mountain west conference ever since the the Derek carr days uh Derek carr colin kaepernick type of days cole mcdonald definitely has some talent there my only question mark about hawaii is their defense i mean their defense wasn't good last year with all due respect to jelani tavai who, who moved on to the nfl and was a second-round pick of the Detroit Lions. But Hawaii struggled on defense, and they have to be better. But that offense is going to be scary. It's going to score points. They've got wide receivers. They've got you know, the, the right quarterback. And hopefully he takes hold of that job because Cole McDonald got off to a great start in the beginning of the season. He really was doing well in the first half. But in the last couple of games, he took a step back and he was actually replaced. So uh, hopefully McDonald will take charge of that job again and and continues to, to do great things. So I'm a believer in the Hawaii program, and uh, I think they've got a good thing going. How about a team that you feel is going to disappoint next year? You know, losing Matt Wells is pretty tough for uh, Utah State. Um, I, they see, I see a lot of losses on their team. Sure, they have Gary Anderson back as their coach, but they only return two on offense, and they have a lot of lot on offense. Um, it's going to be hard to repeat an 11-2 season as well. Um, they also have to travel to LSU and Wake Forest, and then they have to play uh, Boise State at the end of the year. Um, you know, their defense will be good, but I'm worried about their offense – in the sense that Jordan Love is probably a, a legitimate NFL prospect. He is. He but, is. He, but, but he has to carry, basically, you know, they're going to lose most of their offensive line and a lot of their playmakers, so, or all of their playmakers and most of their offensive line. So to be honest with you, I, I think Jordan Love's got a tough task, and I think, you know, losing Matt Wells to Texas Tech, I think 
I think it's going to be a tough year for Utah State. Yeah, I also believe that. Uh, I, like I said, they went 11-2 and last year. They lose their head coach, and they've got Jordan Love, and a lot to replace on that team. So um, I, I think Gary Anderson is the right choice for the program because he, he was there before, and he did some good things. It's his second stint there, but it's going to take a while, and I think next year is definitely going to be a step back for Utah State. So I, I I can't disagree with that. Do you think anybody is going to challenge Boise State? Like which team you think might challenge Boise State in the Mountain West Conference? Is it Fresno State again? Yeah, I think Fresno State will be the team they play in the uh, in the conference championship. But I, I, I'm still not I'm still not high enough on Fresno State to say they're going to beat Boise State. All right. Uh, so give me a couple of – obviously we, we've talked about some quarterbacks, but we can expand on that. Uh, give me a couple of names that I should get excited about in the Mountain West Conference. Well, I think Jordan Love is definitely a name uh, you should think about. Um, you know, he fits well as a 4-3 defensive end at the next level. Um, or I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Quarterback. That's a quarterback I, from I'm, Utah I'm, State. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm that was uh, no. So what I see in Jordan Love is that he's uh, he's mobile in the pocket. He's good on checkdowns. He can fit passes into tight windows. He has a good deep ball and he has decent arm strength. So he has the tools to be sort of a mid to late round pick in the NFL draft. Um, another guy, um, you know, I think you you've already mentioned this name is Curtis Weaver. Um, like I said, like I meant to say, he's a four three defensive end at the next level. Um, has good hand use, wins his matchups on run defense, converts speed to power well, and he can win matchups on the inside. So um, Curtis Weaver from Boise State, and you've, you've already mentioned the name. Uh, another name we should keep an eye on is uh, Jared Rice. He's a tight end from Fresno State. Uh, the three things that I like about him is he's fast, he's physical, and he's about 6'5". So this is a guy who, who's going to do well from a measurable standpoint. All right. Um, I want to mention a couple of more guys. We talked about Cole McDonald, obviously the quarterback from Hawaii. He's got size. He's got arm strength. He's accurate on the deep ball. Uh, he struggled last year in the past couple of games and with his accuracy. And uh, But this guy put up some huge numbers as a sophomore. He's got an awkward delivery. It really is awkward. It's like Tim Tebow type of delivery. But he gets the job done, and uh, hopefully he's going to be able to correct that. But I just think this guy ha- has a lot going for himself. A Cali kid, he's from California, that, that plays at Hawaii. Juwan Washington, the senior running back from San Diego State, undersized back, but he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got a lot of quickness, so he's definitely an eye. Keep an eye on him. Cedric Bird, the wide receiver from Hawaii, is Cole McDonald's is going to be Cole McDonald's favorite target? Uh, Boise State has got a left tackle that I believe has the potential to be a, a first-round type of talent next year. That's Ezra Cleveland, the junior left tackle from Boise State. Uh, he's got the size, he's got the feet, he's got the long arms, he's got everything that the NFL looks for. I think Cleveland might be one of those sleeper guys right now that nobody's talking about. A couple of guys on defense, uh, Tariq Thompson, the junior safety from San Diego State. You mentioned Curtis Weaver, uh, so I'm going to say David Woodward, uh, the junior linebacker from Utah State. So those are a couple of guys to keep an eye on. I I think there's a lot of talent here. Um, We already talked about a couple of quarterbacks that 
I think are going to get a lot more love nationally this year. Jordan Love and, and Cole McDonald, both junior quarterbacks right now. I don't anticipate them entering the draft, but I think they're going to be hot names heading forward to the 2021 NFL draft. Um, and just, uh, you know, overall Mountain West Conference, I mean, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of talent out here. Yeah, I, I I actually see their stock dropping a little bit this year. You do? Um, I see. I yeah. I don't. I, I mean, I don't think Boise State will be as good. I don't see. I see a lot of teams that won't be as good. Um, je- definitely. You know, we talked about Utah State. I don't think Wyoming will be as good. Uh, you know, Colorado State. I hate to say it, won't be as good. Uh, so I, I'm. I'm not as high on the Mountain West this year. By the way, Colorado State has another wide receiver that that's probably going to get some buzz. Uh, uh, six six guy. Yeah, yeah Warren Jackson. Um, obviously, Colorado State has has produced some talent the, the past few years. Richard Higgins, Michael Gallup. Last year, it was two guys: Preston Williams and Alabisi Johnson. This year, it's going to be Warren Jackson, the the big time wide receiver. It was. He was the number two target behind Preston Williams uh, last year. So I expect him to take over, and uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, let, let's move on to our uh, favorite segment on the show, uh, where we bring up a couple of prospects and just talk about their strengths and weaknesses, basically uh, talk about their scouting reports. So uh, the player that we decided to choose for this week on the offensive side of the ball is uh, the junior running back from Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, tell me, what, what do you like about him? What are, what are his strengths? Ed? I mean, he he is just such a good runner. I mean, with the ball in his hands, you know, he fights for tough yards. He has good feet to shift. He's an agile runner. He has elite vision. Um, obviously, he ran behind a good off- Wisconsin offensive line last year. Um, you know, he has, he has enough speed to get away from tacklers in a spread formation. He's a capable outside runner. Um you know, he, he can definitely run between the tackles as well. I mean, obviously more more so than he can run to the outside, but he can run to the outside. He's got the athleticism to hurdle defenders. Um, he's power enough to break ta- powerful enough to break tackles. Um, I've seen him let the play develop. Um, another interesting thing about him is his pass catching. I noticed that they made him do a lot of longer routes as opposed to shorter routes, and I would like to see him do some shorter routes, you know, j- just do those kind of running back screens. Cause I think he would be very effective at it. I think um, he would be, he's got four, four speed. I mean, he is, he's a former track star at Wisconsin. He, he ran track for them. He was, he was a big time track star in high school. He's rumored to have four, four, two speed. And you see that sometimes he, he runs away from those defenders and they can't catch him from behind. There's a couple of concerns, though. You mentioned it, the pass catching. I mean, they just they don't feature him. I mean, <clears throat> I remember Melvin Gordon when he was in Wisconsin. That was the knock on him. Wisconsin just didn't use him as a receiving back in their offense. And I think Jonathan Taylor is going to suffer from this as well. It's not that he's a bad pass catcher. He's got good hands, it seems like. It's just... They don't throw it to him, which is very surprising. I mean, it's not like Wisconsin has big-time playmakers on the outside. So um, that that's kind of my main concern. With, with the way the NFL is moving right now, obviously scouts and NFL teams are going to question that. Why didn't they feature him? Why didn't 
They use him on running back screens, like you said. And there's another concern for me. Look, he's got power and speed, but there's one thing that I noticed, like watching his film, he just doesn't get to the hole quickly enough. He doesn't have that big-time burst. He's a bigger back, I get it, but he just doesn't have that big-time burst to the hole. And it takes him a while to get to that top speed. And sometimes when it takes him a while to get to that top speed, he, he doesn't have the ability to bounce it outside. I, I love the fact that he's a north and south runner. He's got great vision. You know, in the NFL, you've got to be a good between the tackles type of runner. Uh, but he, he's got to improve that first step. Burst to the hole has got to be better than what I've seen in the games that I've scouted from him, especially during his sophomore year. I mean, the, the, the stats are definitely there, man. I mean, he was he was almost 2,000 yards during his freshman season. He went over 2,000 yards as a sophomore, and they're definitely going to feature him as a junior. So it's crazy not to think that if he stays healthy, obviously he's going to go over 2,000 yards again. So those are my, a, a couple of concerns for when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't really see him pass block, so I don't. He's kind of an unknown there. That's that's kind of, it, it's not a concern. It's one of those things where I just I haven't seen him do it, so I it's hard to really give him judgment on it. But I probably get the impression that, um, you know, he's he's a good enough back that in the NFL he's going to be the feature back. He's not he's never going to be asked to be like a third down back or anything like that. Or you know, his job his job is not is not to protect the quarterback. His job is to run the ball and be, you know, be a force and, you know, scare defenses with his ability to to run the ball. But, but um, to me, to me the pass catching issue, it's not going to be an issue because like I said, that was the main concern for Melvin Gordon. And look what Melvin Gordon has become the past couple of years. I mean, he's become one of the better receiving backs in the NFL. I mean, he's catching like 50, 60 balls a, a season. So uh, even if Jonathan Taylor is not going to get featured that, that in the passing game, that doesn't mean anything. Obviously, the workouts and we'll see him at the combine. I mean, those, those things will go a long way in, in the evaluation process. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold a bold statement. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say if he keeps up with what he did, if he if he if his stats stay the same as sophomore year into his junior year, he stays healthy. Top, um, you top know, he doesn't 10? have any. Uh, Is he top I, 10? I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna say he's a top five pick. Oh wow! All right. Well, he's gotta he's gotta show more in the passing game. And he's got to show more in, in the pass-protecting department. Because remember, when Ezekiel Elliott came out, obviously, you know, he he had the pass-catching part down. Uh, as a junior, they featured him more, and he was one of the better pass-blocking guys. But Leonard Fournette was taken number four overall, and he was mainly a runner coming out of college. So uh, I just – it depends. It depends. I, 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 I like Jonathan Taylor more than I like Leonard Fournette. That's my logic. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. He's kind of – you know, you see a little bit of Todd Gurley in him. I mean, you, you do. When, when he was at Georgia – they kind of have a similar running style. They're kind of sneaky quick. They've got power. They've got speed. And um, obviously, look, I'm sure Taylor is going to put up 2,000 yards again because he is going to be the featured guy on offense. Uh, it, it's it's pretty logical. With Wisconsin's offensive line that they have, they want to run the football. And so if he stays healthy, I mean, Taylor is going to gain another 2,000 yards, and then he's gone. He's not going to stay for his senior year because 
shelf life for running backs is just really, really short. So he needs to come out as quickly as he can. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I mean, the fact that the fact that he's had to run three years at Wisconsin has already put a lot of strain on him. So definitely, and that, mean, that's going to be the major question mark: the wear and tear, a lot of carries, and obviously a lot. Some teams are going to knock him for it because look, he had he had al- he had almost 300 carries during his freshman season, and he had over 300 carries last year. That's a lot. And he's going to get another 300 carries next year, this upcoming season. So that's 900 carries in three seasons. It's an insane number. It really is. Even even for a good back, but even for a young guy like that. But obviously he's going to come out after his junior season. And if injuries, if he stays injury free, uh, he's he's going to be one of the top backs in in next year's draft. All right, let's let's move on to the defensive side of the ball, Ed. Uh, we are going to talk about a linebacker from Clemson. He he was a safety before. Um, when he when he was a redshirt freshman, he was a safety. He moved to linebacker last year in 2018. It's Isaiah Simmons, and definitely a versatile defender. And uh, he fits what the NFL is looking for in, in linebackers in, in today's NFL. Yeah, I I love this this pick. Uh, you know what I what I see him as is like the ultimate Sam linebacker. Um, just what I like about him is he's got long arms. Um, he was at is actually in the scheme that he played at Clemson. He was asked to cover in the slot a lot, which says a lot about his coverage skills. I think he's a good open field tackler. Um, you know, for a guy who who is you know 230 pounds, he's he's good in coverage. He runs a four three. He's you know I talked about his long arms. He can spy on the quarterback. He's he's a he's a he's a speedy blitzer. I mean, if you if you ask him to come from the edge, he's gonna run his heart out, and you know he's gonna be aggressive going for the fumble. Um, he has good instincts. Um, he's. I guess the area he gets beat in coverage is on the underneath. You know, he doesn't get beat deep. You can tell he has that instilled in him for being a safety. He is. I mean, that definitely works in his favor. The fact that he, he's played in the deep half before, he understands that. He even gets his head around a lot of times. And uh, he, he's aware of what's going on. And crazy athletic. Obviously, he's got great speed. He's got sideline to sideline speed. I think he can play Sam. He can play weak side linebacker. Doesn't he kind of remind you of like a Telvin Smith type of player? You know, it's hard to it, – this is just such a unique player. It's hard to compare him to anybody. Well, I mean, you got to compare him to somebody. The only thing is, like I said, the NFL is moving in this direction. They're looking for guys who are undersized linebackers who wouldn't sniff the NFL like 15 years ago. But in today's NFL, this is this is what defenses are all about. Speed, athleticism, you know, you run around, you chase ball carriers, and uh, linebackers are basically guys that can do it all, pass coverage, blitzing, you know, being a good run defender and having all this physical skills, uh, physical tools. This is what the NFL is all about. This is what they're looking for. And Isaiah Simmons just fits the bill of today's NFL and uh, of, you know, the, the future already the present linebacker in the NFL. Uh, 
I have a question for you, and yeah. I want you to think about it. Okay, so imagine yourself, you're the defensive coordinator, and you want to run a 3-4 defense, right? What do you, How do you use this guy? You get hired on, you don't get to pick who, who gets drafted, and... How do you, how do you use this guy? You know, guy? Isaiah Simmons... I would, How do you use this guy in a 3-4? I would use him as a 3-4 inside linebacker, where I can get creative with him with those inside blitzes. I mean, the Ravens have been creative with players like this, the Steelers. I, he's got size, and he's got speed, and he's got athleticism. I, I think he's not physical enough to play as a 3-4 outside linebacker because I see him run around a lot, Ed. He's more of a finesse linebacker. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that, don't take that as the wrong type of phrase, that he's a finesse type of linebacker. Not everybody is, is physical. I mean, but as an inside linebacker in a 3-4, I've seen guys like this succeed, um, even undersized guys like Denzel Pyramids and C.J. Mosley and, and guys who are a little bit more undersized. He's about 6'3", 6'4". So I would use him as a 3-4 as a inside linebacker. I think... He could fit as a 4-3 outside linebacker and as a 3-4 inside linebacker just because I can get creative with him in those blitz packages. And he can he's he, he's not going to hurt me from obviously in the pass defense at all. I mean, he's almost like CJ Mosley. CJ Mosley was great as a pass defender coming out of Alabama, and he certainly has proven to be one of the better, you know, pass coverage linebackers out there. I feel that Simmons can do the same. And uh, like I said, if you've got big guys up front, they're going to take care of the offensive line. So he's going to be able to make some plays, and um, you can use him as a blitzer, as a pass coverage guy, and he's going to be a pretty good run defender. I think Isaiah Simmons still has a lot of room to improve, but you know what? Like, you and I are evaluating Isaiah Simmons, and you know what? We feel better about Isaiah Simmons today than we did about Devin White when he was coming into his junior season. And look where Devin White turned out to be. I mean, he turned out to be a top five pick by the Bucks. So, well, I think I think Isaiah Simmons is like a perfect fit for what you're trying to do in this passing league. Well, I mean, just look at Tremaine Edmonds a couple of years ago, a kid that came out of Virginia Tech, the redshirt sophomore. Look what he has been able to do in that Buffalo Bills defense. And he's got, obviously, he's a lot bigger. He's about 6'5", 245. But again, there's some similarities there. And I think there are a lot of things that you can do with Isaiah Simmons. And he is scheme, scheme versatile. You can use him in a 4-3, but you can use him in a 3-4 as well. So he's a dream for, for any. I, 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 do, I do disagree. I would take him in my 3-4 defense, but I would not. I would I, If I was a 4-3 team, I would I would draft him top ten, but I, I I would wait on him if I was a three four team. I don't think he fits well in a three four. All right, like I said, guys have made it work in the NFL. Ryan Shazier, C.J. Mosley, Denzel Perriman, uh, those guys are smaller than that. He just he needs to get bigger. He needs to take on blockers better. Uh, I think those are the things that he needs to work on. I mean, he's about two twenty five. He needs to get to about 230, 235. I don't think his speed or athleticism are going to suffer. Um, I think he, he can manage to put on 5 or 10 pounds of muscle, and he's still going to run a 4-3. He's still crazy athletic. So uh, I just think he needs to get bigger, and he needs to get a little bit stronger uh, for the NFL in general, whether it's a 4-3 team or a 3-4 team. 
I, I just want to say that, like, if if I'm a defensive coordinator, this is the exact kind of linebacker I'm looking for. Like, this is this is the new age exact kind of linebacker I'm looking for. All right. Let's, let's end on that note. This is – there's just – just for my – yeah, let's 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 end on that note. I mean, obviously, we we were excited about Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin, and we gave you a, a very good linebacker out of Clemson in Isaiah Simmons. Obviously, both guys are going to be juniors, and if they stay injury free, both guys are going to be first round picks. So just we'll see how high they, they can go. So with that in mind, Ed, I'm glad that you were excited with with both guys uh, when it when it came to their scouting reports. Yeah. All right. All right. right. This was Blitzcast number 66. I'm Alex Kaftov, uh, Ed Hunt. Uh, We'll we'll come back next week, and we'll bring up a couple of more guys and do a couple of more scouting reports for you. Thank you for listening. Take care.